Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey-West. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we have another Pixar film to review. This new one is Elemental, directed by Peter Sohn, uh, the latest in the Pixar film series. This is not a follow-up to anything. This is an original idea. Obviously, we did Lightyear last summer, which was not technically a sequel, but obviously in the Toy Story universe, so sort of a sequel, prequel, whatever you want to call it. Um, So this is a new idea from Pixar, so excited to talk about this film today. Indeed, and Jared, I am glad we saw it. I do have plenty of things to say about it. I forgot, I can't believe Lightyear was a full year ago. I know, this is kind of wild. Oh, and I also remind me, please, when we get to the likes, dislikes, that um, there's... I, I think there's something that relates with Lightyear in this movie that I figured people would okay. nice. comment on. So we'll also, see. Also, I had a packed theater for this one. I know it hasn't been doing great at the box office, but yeah, I went Tuesday. It was discount day, and I went in the I afternoon. I went Tuesday, too. So that's probably I why. Okay. Um, there were quite a few kids there. Uh, everybody was really well behaved again, which... Not like I mean I love kids, but I don't I don't expect kids at a movie theater where you can't control who's coming in and stuff to be well behaved. And they were super well behaved, but it wasn't packed. Okay, yeah, mine was yeah. packed, and everybody, yeah, all the kids were well behaved in that one too. So mm. obviously they got to get up often and like use the bathroom. Go to the bathroom, and stuff, <laughs> but you know everybody was pretty <laughs> quiet. <down> yeah, <laughs> nobody was like running around yelling or anything. So yes, nice job, kids. Uh, Okay, we'll get to news here and then obviously into our review of Elemental. Um, First thing is the big story with this uh, submarine that was going to explore the Titanic. Uh, We found out earlier this afternoon that they believe the submarine basically exploded and then Mm -hmm. that all five people on board were killed. They thought maybe they would be able to find it. The oxygen, uh, if they, you know, if it hadn't exploded, would have ran out this morning uh, on the day that we're recording this, which is Thursday, June 22nd. So yeah. this is a very sad situation there. Kind of an odd situation, too. It seems like maybe they weren't totally prepared to go to the no. very bottom of the ocean. Um, so it seems like maybe some bad things were bound to happen, unfortunately. Um, feel bad for those people and the people on board and uh, all that stuff. But they also did pay a lot of money to do this experience. And um, it just seemed like this, some of the safety stuff was just overlooked uh, significantly. So Yeah. I feel uh, really opinionated on this. So I hope none of this comes across as rude or anything. I, um, The people who went, first of all, had a lot of money. So I don't, I definitely don't, I'm not concerned with how much they paid and also calling in the Navy and the Coast Guard and all these other things. They're not going to make those families pay for it. Like tax dollars are going to pay for it, Um, which I understand those services. That's what they're for. But it is ridiculous that people knowingly put themselves in a dangerous situation and then died, which is horrible. But uh, what is freaky deaky to me, Jared, is do you remember that book? I think two episodes ago, I mentioned that I had just read that book by TJ Newman, and it was about a flight that had to land in water, and they were yeah. submerged, and they were running out of air. It was almost exactly the same situation, except in a okay. plane, not a submarine. And they even talked about in the book how far below that they could go. Like the New York Times today and the Washington Post posted things on Instagram that was showing, it was actually a very cool video graphic if anybody's interested in that. And it shows where like the Titanic wreckage is. It shows where whales usually, how low they'll go. 
Um, but it was a fascinating video. It's like a minute long. And there's a reason, first of all, we don't go that, like we can't go that far. Um, we don't really have the lung capacity or our bodies can't handle it, but also like machinery and stuff that we have can't really handle it at this point. Um, but it was the wreckage is found right by the Titanic, which I find extremely eerie. I also think it's, and I, maybe I thought about this a lot too, because I am so enamored by the Titanic and always have been by that story. But also if I was offered to go see the Titanic, even as much as I'm obsessed with the story, I wouldn't, it's a grave site. Secondly, the Titanic, we all know how that went down, right? So why would you then get in a boat or a ship or some kind of submarine to go attempt that again? I don't know. It just really bothers me. It's devastating what happened. I will say that. I, um, I'm i just very sad for the families and for their loss. Yeah. But I think it was a completely avoidable disaster. Yeah, I think it would be different if they were doing this for some scientific purpose or if it was like a, a research thing or you know they had like a noble cause that there was a reason they were going down to, to see the titanic maybe they were trying to find more information or something but this was right. literally seemed like just a sightseeing trip to the titanic um which like like you said was not really necessary at all and it's yeah. like very unsafe in the first place so yeah uh sad but also like you said a lot of mixed feelings a lot of uh, mm -hmm. mixed emotions on on how this kind of whole situation played out so yeah but rest in peace i do hope the families are okay that is extremely tragic and one family lost a son and a father mm -hmm. so yes. that's terrible yep. um some other news is that the flash is not doing great at the box office did win the weekend opening weekend but only made 55 million dollars opening weekend and has since made 144 million dollars when you factor in the worldwide total so uh, that's not fantastic especially since this movie probably costs 200 million dollars to make and then another couple hundred million to market and promote and all that plus um, the lawsuits. <laughs> so yeah plus the ezra miller lawsuits and warner brothers like dealing with all that so it hasn't done great it's probably it might make its budget back but it's not going to make a lot of money i just don't think people were super interested in seeing this one because it's about a character that you don't know a ton about it's not like a batman movie or a superman movie or something like that and then also all the allegations with ezra miller and then with james gunn taking over dc there's probably people thinking how much is this really going to matter in the whole scheme of the overall story since this was already being worked on before he took over um i have heard michael keaton's good in it and then he basically mm -hmm. saves the movie which it makes sense given his track record um but i just think there are a lot of factors there that made it so people weren't really super interested in seeing this and you have like spider verse is still out right now and guardians is still in theaters too so i feel like there's just a lot of superhero movies out at this current time yeah i uh also heard there was another cameo that um okay arjun did go see it that was fun okay so i don't want to ruin that for people but i will say it was another batman so okay that's what i can good to know. um I I did. I just thought about this because, you know, I was very opposed to going to see it. But I would encourage people, if you're comfortable, if you do want to go see it and you because I know there's always going to be this delineation of can you separate the art from the artist? In this case, I choose not to because I'm disturbed by the allegations um, and the lack of like uh, any kind of uh, having to take credit, I guess, like for for what for what they've done. Um if you do go, I was going to say, see if possibly making a donation to either like a trans rights group or to 
I don't know, I was trying like a, a sex trafficking group um, or people who are recovering from like our, our survivors of rape, things like that. Maybe see about making a donation to them um, instead um, or adding that into your price of your ticket and say, well, I'm going to pay $12 for this ticket. So I'll donate 20 bucks to this organization. I just think that would be a nice way to kind of um, do something good, but also you can go support the movie. Yeah, that's that's a good point. So um, our next news item has to do with the Academy Awards. So the Academy Awards is not for this upcoming Oscar cycle, but for the next one that'll start oh. um, next Thank year. Thank you for so, saying that. So this Got will it. begin with the Oscars that will be broadcast in 2025, but we'll start with the 2024 movies. Um, basically, right now, how it works is you only have to show your movie in a theater for like a week in one of the big cities. And a lot of the complaints with that have been the fact that that doesn't allow a ton of people to see your movie. Also, this is a common thing every year when we do Oscar stuff. I have people telling me like, well, I can't, where do you even go see that? Or I haven't seen that anywhere. It's not in theaters near me or whatever. So that happens sometimes with the best picture nominees. So what they're going to do it is they're going to change this and basically, you will still have to have the one week theatrical release in one of the six big U.S. cities. But then after you do that, you have to have a expanded theatrical run of a week in 10 of the top 50 U.S. cities. Um, and then you have to also show it in theaters uh, before the Academy Awards happen so it can't you can't like do your your theater run of those two or three weeks you know after the award season so that's clever Mm -hmm. i mean i think to me that seems fair i i don't know that i'm like triggered or upset by that rule no i think it'll help i think uh, now Mm -hmm. granted indianapolis and dayton are not yeah you know top 50 us well indianapolis might i was gonna say indianapolis might be one of yeah So that might actually count. And like near you, probably Columbus or Cincinnati or or something, you know, Mm -hmm. if you really wanted to go see something, it would be maybe an hour, hour and a half drive away. So, um, but again, this will start with the 2024 Oscar movies um, and it will just help more people to see them in theaters. And then also, I think they're trying to help with the streaming stuff as well. Like some of these streaming movies getting nominated that don't have big theatrical runs, just trying to get some more movies in theaters so that it might be a little bit easier for people to see them, which in turn would probably make the Oscars more popular because more people will have seen the movies. So, right. Yeah. I think that's wow, perfectly that's fine. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for keeping me abreast of the changes. Cause yeah, Jared had texted me. He always seems to know what's going on, but I hadn't been able to read the update or anything. Um, so that's cool. I like that. And if nothing else, they're going to make more money too, by opening mm-hmm. it up to more cities. That's just going to help their bottom line. Also, that is um, just for Best Picture, too, just for that category. So all the other categories do not have to do that. But Best Picture, if you want to get your movie nominated in Best Picture, you will have to do that. So Got it. Cool. uh, And then the other news item we have is Barbie Heimer. uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer obviously coming out on the same day. We're about a month away from that in July. And uh, I've heard a lot of people talk about the order to see these in or if they're going to see them both on the same day. But you had some news about about Barbieheimer. Oh, mainly I was just going to say I had not yet heard the term Barbieheimer until (laughs) this week. And I laughed so hard. I thought it was hilarious. And then I think because, you know, everybody's talking about what they're going to wear to these as well, Mm -hmm. especially Barbie. I have some fabulous pink heels that I think have to be worn. Like, I think they just have to be. 
but also they have t-shirts. I definitely want to get one. Um, and I was talking to our friends, friends of the pod, Mandy and Brandon about this. Cause I think we're going to go together to these movies. We've been debating on seeing them on the same day. I think we're going to split it up. I think we're going to do one on a Friday, one on a Saturday, Probably um, smart. but, but <laughs> I want to get one of these t-shirts. So they have, you can get them on Etsy. I mean, there's places to order them. But they're half pink, half black. They say Barbie Heimer, but Barbie, like the barb part, is in like the Mattel Barbie logo that we all know. Uh, the Heimer part looks just kind of like dark and sad. <laughs> um, and then it has, I was trying to think what else. It's. I think it has, some of them have like the date of release or whatever. But I was like, yeah, I would spring for a t-shirt for that. So I just thought it was very clever. I also think it's very clever marketing to have all these extra merch options and stuff for people. And I have definitely heard mixed feelings from people about which movie they're more excited about. I would argue that I think Oppenheimer is going to be the movie I enjoy more as Mm -hmm. far as like a storyline and what's going to stick with me longer. But obviously, huge fan of Greta Gerwig, obsessed with Barbie as a kid, love Pink, love Margot, love Ryan. So I think I'm going to enjoy both, but... I personally would say I'm going to enjoy Oppenheimer more. I feel like, too, uh, if I was seeing them both in the same day, I don't know mm-hmm. if you would follow the strategy. I would go Oppenheimer and then Barbie. And That's on a high so note. funny. Yeah. That was another thing Mandy and Brandon and I were texting <laughs> about because I said, oh, I think I'd rather close with the movie that maybe is what I think is going to be not superior. I don't mean it that way. Just more thought provoking, which to me would be Oppenheimer. Yeah. But then yep. they brought up a good point about, well, it's probably going to be depressing. Wouldn't you want to yeah. end on a high note? <laughs> but then the other thing to think about for people, I just love that there's so much strategy to this too. The other thing people want to think about is Oppenheimer is going to be three and a half hours, three, something like three that. Yeah. 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 And, and Bart, like you're, you're committing to a six hour day. Uh, so that's another reason why I think realistically we're going to split it up into two days because we have jobs. So, and that weekend is extremely hectic. Uh, We have a lot of local theater things going on that weekend in Dayton too, obligations for those of us who are on boards and stuff for the theater. So realistically, I'm going to have to split it into two days to fulfill those other obligations. So that that will be exciting though, coming up in uh, just a little bit over a month. So um, (laughs) also we do have a correction. Thanks to Mandy. We've upgraded her title. She's not intern anymore. (laughs) She's research assistant, quickly climbing the ranks here at the Silver Screen Podcast. Um, She was able to answer our Goodreads questions. She said, uh, it's a mean, not a mode. So we were wondering how Goodreads books get scores like 4.3, 4.1, when you can only rate it a full star. So... (laughs) But they use they use a a mean there, and that's how they get that that rating. Yeah, I so. was really impressed. I told her I was going to upgrade her title, um, <laughs> and she was so cute about it because she found it. I had lunch with her this week actually, and she had already figured it out. And she texted me and said, "Don't let me forget to tell you at lunch." <laughs> We forgot and she ran to my car in the parking lot and was like, I forgot to tell you about Goodreads. So then she had to explain it to me. And then I also had to review with her mean, median, and mode to remember mm-hmm. yep. which was which and how they get it. But anyway, thank you, Mandy. Um, she did not get a raise for the title bump, yeah. um, but she is now a researcher she did get for the podcast. Great. She got great scores on the performance review. So yes, but absolutely. We did not give her the raise. So yeah, um, but that's but that's yeah. the answer to that question, if anyone was wondering. Great job, Mandy. So uh, on to recommendations now. I just have two things to recommend. Uh, first thing is the day we're recording this. Second season of The Bear is out on Hulu. Um, 
starring Jeremy Allen White, of course. It's about a restaurant in Chicago. First season was very good. Uh, kind of one of the surprise hits, I think. Of, I think it was last year when the first season came out. Um, or maybe the year before. I can't remember. It kind of all runs together. But um, was kind of just came in off the radar. Nobody was really expecting it to be fantastic or anything, but it was really good. And second season's out now. Watch the first two episodes. First two episodes are good. The story's obviously going in a different direction this season, which I can appreciate. Seems like they know where they want to take it, though, which is always good. Maybe unlike Ted Lasso a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <laughs> my uh, my Jeez. other... Yeah, my other recommendation is... I watched the movie The Fugitive this week, which came out in the 90s with Harrison Ford, but I have never seen this movie before, um, and I thought it was awesome. So if you don't know, Harrison Ford is like wrongly convicted of his wife's murder, and then he's on the run, and Tommy Lee Jones is playing a U.S. Marshal, and he's trying to catch him. Did you um, see The Fugitive? Yeah, yep. Oh fugitive. my gosh, such a good movie. Yeah. I missed I missed you saying okay. the title, and then I was like, oh, is he talking about The Fugitive? I love that movie. Yeah, I had never seen it. So yeah. it's great though. So it's yeah, really good. really good thriller. Um, it's really well written and like how Harrison Ford just kind of goes about everything. Everything makes sense in that mm-hmm. movie, like ha- the order in which he does stuff. So um, yeah. and Tommy Lee Jones obviously won an Oscar for his performance, but it was nominated for many, many Oscars at the, I think 10 or nine or 10 Oscars at the Academy Awards the year it came out. So I'm yeah. glad you saw it. If you have not watched it, check it out. Good action movie. And obviously Harrison Ford, we're going to talk about him more in a couple weeks with, with Indiana Jones. So yes, that was truly again, nineties. Like when I was talking about the movie heat, that was the sweet spot for Harrison Ford. And so many of those action movies that, that was the best time, the nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That movie's great. I really like a lot of Harrison's movies from the nineties. Um, anyway, awesome. Well, I was going to say, I'm excited. You reminded me today what I've been living for is, and just like that is back on Max, the spinoff Sex in the City. Can't bl- Jared, I can't believe you didn't mark that on your calendar. We just talked about it. Um, I did not. But I, I can't wait. I've been checking Instagram all day because Sarah Jessica Parker is posting about it. Ugh. Speaking of, so my recommendations, because I haven't watched that yet. I read Andy Cohen's book. He is uh, he and Sarah Jessica Parker are really good friends, have been for years. He wrote a book, The Daddy Diaries, The Year I Grew Up. Again, that's by Andy Cohen. It was way better than I expected it to be. It's I think it's had six weeks on the bestseller list already. And it was a lot more heartfelt and deep than I thought it was going to be. Um, and he's written other books. This is the only one I've read, but he talks about his experience of adopting his two children. Well, he, excuse me, he used a surrogate. They, they are his, um, but he has a little boy named Ben and a little girl named Lucy. And it was beautiful to hear about that experience. And it was lovely to hear about the surrogacy and his relationship with the surrogate and just how much his life has changed as a single man for almost 50 years before he had kids to now having being a single father of two. And it was also kind of gut-wrenching to read about his experience being a gay man who is a single dad and how all of those things affect him um, in ways we don't often hear that perspective of single fathers and gay men as well. But great, great story. And then the other one I read that was amazing, um, Tell Me Everything, a memoir by Minka Kelly. Spectacular. One of the best books I've read this year. It's one of the best memoirs I've read in the last few years. And that I, I hope that says something too, because I knew literally nothing about Minka Kelly. I knew she was on the show Friday Night Lights. I knew she dated Trevor Noah for a long time, but they broke up and she's beautiful. That was it. That's all I knew. Fascinating story. She's had a fascinating life. They could definitely make a movie about it. 
And um, there's definitely things about, uh, I would say, sexual assault, domestic violence, things like that, if that triggers you, that have occurred in her life. But just a fascinating story, beautifully written. So if anyone's looking for a good memoir, I read through it in like 24 hours. I actually read three books over the weekend because I could not put these books down. The last one, um, The Five Star Weekend by Elon Hildebrand. She's, of course, super popular, has a lot of beach reads and things. Um, I didn't like this as much as her last few books, but it was really good. And the thing I wanted to point out, if this was a book of the month pick for me, but she, what I liked about this is this was not really focused on a love story at all. It was focused more on a relationship between a mother and her daughter, and then a woman in her in middle age that is bonding um, or revisiting friendships with people throughout her life. So she picks a friend, five friends from a de- each decade of her life to come like uh, spend a weekend with her and host them. Um, there is a, definitely an element of surprise and drama in the book, but it was it was beautifully done. It just wasn't my favorite of Elon's books that I've read. But again, that's the five-star weekend. <laughs> Shout out to our non-sponsors, um, Book of the Month, and just like that on Max. But I talk about both of those a lot. It's Sex in the City. I mean, they should, I should guest star. And then lastly, Jared, Married at First Sight. There is season 13 has just been released on Netflix. I'm already almost done. I can't stop. I have had trouble sleeping this entire week. So I just stay up late into the night and watch Married at First Sight. Can't wait to see. I've already looked up what happens. So I'm not going to ruin it for anybody, but I ruined it for myself. But if anyone is into that show, (laughs) season 13 just got released on Netflix. Nice. Uh, yeah, very interesting to watch that. So Married at First Sight. Uh, 90 Day Fiance, another very yep. uh, interesting one as well, if you love those like marriage shows. So, okay, uh, we will talk about Elemental now, the new Pixar film released on June 16th, rated PG for thematic elements, some peril, and brief language. Runtime, hour 43 minutes or hour 49 minutes, uh, depending on what you look at. Now, there is a short at the beginning of the movie um, with characters from Up, so maybe that's where the difference in the runtime is. I don't know. Maybe one's with the short and one's without. I don't I don't know how long the short is exactly, but it's probably six or seven minutes. So, um, IMDb is a 7.1 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes critics, 75%. Audience, 92% for this film. And box office-wise, domestically, it's made $43 million dollars. Worldwide, only $59 million. Not a super high opening for Pixar for this particular film. This one, the synopsis is it follows Ember and Wade in a city where fire, water, land, and air residents live together. And this one is directed by Peter Sohn. He's been with Pixar since 2000. Of course, as we've talked about before, Pixar likes to promote from within, bring people up through the ranks, and then get them to direct pictures or produce pictures. Um, so he's been with them since 2000. He worked in, uh, worked in the art and story departments, and he worked on WALL-E, Finding Nemo, and The Incredibles. He also does a lot of voice acting. He was in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and he was the voice of Old Socks in Lightyear. Socks, one of the best characters in a movie last year, I think, for sure. Um, we would both agree. And then he also directed The Good Dinosaur, which I have actually not seen that Pixar movie, I don't think. That's one of the few that I have not checked out. So uh, he directed yeah. that one, though. It's probably on Disney Plus if you want to watch it. He's got no upcoming projects listed yet. So we will. Oh, go ahead, Katie. Oh, I was going to say, I have not seen The Good Dinosaur either, but a lot of people said great things about that film. Okay. 
yeah, I did hear when that came out. I did remember hearing like people liking it. So and my uh, beloved socks still love him, and I still do have the stuffed animal that talks to me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we will take a quick break here on the show and talk about the cast and our likes and dislikes for Elemental. And we're back here on the show talking about Elemental. This has relatively unknowns as far as voice actors go in the two lead roles, starting with Leah Lewis, who plays Ember. Thank you, Jared. Leah Lewis, I did look up um, because I was curious. She is 26 years old. She was adopted from an orphanage as an infant. I just think that's fascinating and beautiful that someone adopted her and she has done so well for herself. And she there was a beautiful quote about that experience in her IMDb profile. She's known for the half of it and also several TV series, including Nancy Drew, Station 19 and The Good Doctor. Next up, she's going to be in a TV series. Uh, they're, I think they're remaking Matlock. Um, interesting. And then also Tripped Up and The Tiger's Apprentice. Then we have, I think I'm saying this right. I hope I am. Mamadou. I think it's Mamadou. uh, Athi. He plays Wade Ripple. He is 34 years old, and he's a Mauritanian-American actor who is best known for Jurassic World Dominion, Black Box, Underwater, and The Circle. Next up, he will be in several projects, including The Burial and, that's a movie, and, and Putty Sticks. Um, And then just in case you were wondering, because I did want to make sure I knew what I was talking about, Mauritania, if you're wondering where that is, it is in Northern Africa. Okay, cool. Then there are other vocal talents in this film. Some of them include Catherine O'Hara. We love her. Ronnie Del Carmen, Shyla Ami, Win- Wendy McClendon-Covey, and Ma- Mason Wertheimer. So we'll get into what we liked about Elemental. Obviously, when you have a Pixar movie, the animation is going to be good. And that's kind of what you expect from Pixar at this point is that the animation is solid. Although other um, animation studios are kind of starting to catch up to them, I would say. They had a big lead for a while, but now like Universal with Illumination and the Mario Brothers movie and like Despicable Me movies, the Minions movies always look very well animated. Um, Sony, obviously, with Across the Spider-Verse and Into the Spider-Verse, their animation is very cool now. So I think Pixar has maybe lost its lead a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. But still looking very good in the animation department for this one. All the elements look very cool. They look very distinctive and unique. The the city looks cool and colorful. Um, So, yeah, solid animation. Agreed. I thought the same thing as you, Jared, because especially after we just saw the Spider-Man movie, it's hard to... Uh, to say that Pixar is the top dog. I really think some people are giving them a run for their money. But it was exactly what I've come to expect from Pixar. It was great animation. It was a good story. It was very cute, family-friendly, and all of that. Um, Another like that I had is I liked that it was uh, unknown voice actors in the lead roles. I thought that that allowed me to kind of connect with the story more instead of going like, oh, this is, you know whoever, Florence Pugh playing the role of Ember. This is just like, you know, I was able to think of it more as just of the characters instead of the people playing the characters because I hadn't heard their voices a ton before. Where if it, they had gotten like name actors, I, I think that's sometimes hard, especially in an animated movie to go, oh, this is supposed to be a character, but I'm hearing, you know, The Rock because I know what The Rock's voice sounds like or Kevin Hart or whatever, you know, a lot of these actors that do a lot of these animated movies. So I liked that they were unknowns though. I thought it helped the story and helped me believe the story a little bit more 
Agreed. And that I that's a really good point that you touched on too, because I also noticed it wasn't voices that I recognized. And that was helpful too, because I think as much as I enjoy guessing who the voices are or knowing who the voices are and putting a face to a name, I liked that I wasn't distracted by that and that it was completely new people. So good job, Pixar, with those casting choices. Um, and then I, one thing I liked about it, I thought it was very creative. I, I didn't think that the story was as inventive and stuff as some of the other Pixar things, but I thought it was super creative to work with elements like fire and water, um, and wind. We saw that too. And then where they live, I thought the world they created was really believable and fascinating. And I also thought, I, I don't think I was thinking too much into this, but that they were, uh, it was like a commentary on how we can be racist and other things about like classes and how much money people make. And if someone's not like us, we're very hesitant to talk to them, befriend them, love them, what have you. Um, so I thought they did a really good job with that. And I was able, at least as an adult, to connect that to how we can treat people in the world that are different than us. Yeah, I would have almost liked more of like the the world stuff and kind of how it worked and how all the elements connected. And I think you're right too with the the commentary there. Like the fire are basically thought of as like second class citizens and they're not good enough. And even the area that they live in is like underneath the rest of the city. Um, and there's like right. lots of like canals running through it, which is like a big uh, point, like story point in the movie, um, which we won't spoil. But um, yeah, it was very cool, the, the world design and everything. So um, another like is the character of Wade was cool. Um, is voiced very well, but also it was kind of interesting, obviously with him being like water, he can like transform himself and sneak into uh, small areas and things of that nature. I also thought it was very funny how uh, his family was very emotional and he just cried all the time, which I thought was funny <laughs> since he was water. He was just crying a bunch. Um, so that was that was kind of a funny aspect of his character. Me too. I thought he was so cute. I specifically wanted to touch on Wade Ripple. I thought his name was clever. His family was adorable, especially his mom. I related to the drama of Wade uh, when I either fake cry, which I do regularly as a joke, or when I actually cry, which I cry frequently for real. Um, and I just liked how sentimental he was, that the male character was so sentimental as opposed to the female character. Um, and he was just, he was clever and he was funny and very considerate. He was just a thoughtful character, all the things he did for Ember. And then again, we won't ruin anything, but he was very selfless. So he was very much not concerned with his life and what happens to him. He was more concerned about the people around him that he loves. Yeah. One of my favorite parts uh, with his character is when he takes Ember to meet his family. Um, yes. I just thought that was like very funny scene. Yes. And obviously their house is like, it's just got water as a floor and everything. So um, yeah, but it's, it's cool. But he also lives in like this very high rise apartment thing that's in the water area of the city, which is like much nicer than where Ember lives. So again, commenting on like the class, dynamics or money dynamics things of that nature so yeah um ember's outfit was also really cool in the movie she has a couple different things that she wears or they animate her in most of them are like sparkly um and she's wearing like dresses and stuff but the fire is hard because like her animation is kind of moving more than wade's uh -huh. is because the fire has to constantly be kind of flaming so right. uh it, it was harder probably to dress her than i would guess some other characters in the movie but they did a good job 
Well, for me, Jared, I immediately thought of Taylor Swift. I don't know if Allison <laughs> thought that or if anybody else who saw the movie that listens to this episode, because Taylor is known she does a lot of the like cropped shirts and like a really cute mini skirt. And I, maybe I've, I've got her on the brain because of her concerts and everything and seeing her constantly in the news lately. But I, I love Taylor Swift's style, especially when she does like crop tops and stuff. But I thought, I really thought they based Ember's outfit off of Taylor Swift. Not kidding. And I, I liked the purple. I thought it was a nice contrast to her very fiery orange um, color, skin color, for lack of a better word. But I thought her character was beautifully animated, but especially her outfit. I was very impressed with her her costume. Um, also, the this is a small thing, but like the font is very cool for this movie and the title. And I don't know what yeah. font they're using, but the elemental is like very blocky. And then like every letter is like a different color of one of the elements, but the, the art, the graphics department at Pixar, whoever's in charge of that for these movies did a nice job. Cause it, it definitely does stand out. And obviously all of their movies kind of have like a, a font thing going on. Like if uh -huh. you think of like toy story or the Incredibles or cars or something like that, they all kind of look a little different, but this one looked, looked cool. Right. I mainly wanted to comment on it because I don't have that to ever say about other movies. And I, I can't get over, like if I could get my name, for example, if I had a cool office space or something and wanted my name, I would say, can you do it like the elemental font? And with that color blocking they did, I just thought it was very inventive and visually stimulating. And I wanted to point that out because I, I can't think of other movies that that really has happened to me recently. Um, another like is that Lauv does an original song for this movie. And uh, it's it's really good. The kids in my theater were bopping when that came I out. I loved uh, it. They were like dancing in their seats. Yeah, it was it was a pretty. And then they played again during the credits. So you get to hear it again. It's a catchy old tune. It really is. I was trying to think of what the <laughs> title was, but I can't. I can't find it. So anyway, but I, it was, it's a, it's a bop. <laughs> the song is called, um, steal the show. So, Thank you. Okay. Steal the show. Cool. Yes. So yeah, he did a good job on that song though for, for the movie. And then the only other, like I had was I did like the short before this movie, the up short, it's called Carl's date. Um, and it's about Carl getting ready to go on a date and Doug is trying to help him out and like pump him up. I just thought Pixar hasn't done a short in a while before a movie. This one was really cute and really well done. Um, and I thought it was, it was good. And Ed Asner, uh, is doing the voice of Carl. Um, so I thought, I thought that was a cute short for the beginning of this I did too, but when when that popped up, when they started playing the song, and we see it's Carl, right? Is the the yes. older? Yeah, I was like, "Damn you, Pixar!" <laughs> I knew I was like, I, "You're gonna make me cry." Oh, speaking of, that does lead me to my last like about the movie itself. I loved the short. I thought it was so good. I could see that being an Oscar contender because they seem to always get one in there. Um, I. Now that I just said that, I've forgotten what I was going to say that I really liked. Oh, there was one line. Sorry. Okay. There was one line. I did cry a lot for about three minutes in this movie. Um, there's a part, which this doesn't ruin it. Uh, the dad, who is very close to Ember, he owns a store. That's what the whole thing is based around. Is like she's been taught her whole life that she's going to take over this family business when he retires. And he's planning to retire soon. 
And he says, I, I mean, I have a feeling I understand why this hit me so hard, but it also made me think of my parents and the way they would speak to me. But he said to her, he was like the business, because she says she doesn't want to take over the business. And he's like, the business wasn't the dream. You were the dream. And I lost it. <laughs> I was fine. I was like, this movie isn't doing much to me. It was sweet, but it wasn't like emotionally moving me. And that line came out. And I just, I think I probably had like a good 10 tears streaming down my face. And then I, I got it together by the credits, but I just thought that was beautiful. So I do like when a movie can, can move me that way and kind of do it out of nowhere. Yeah, that was a really impactful scene. And then yeah. I only had one other, like, I thought uh, one other part was funny. That was funny is they are at one point in the movie playing this like basketball slash hockey hybrid game. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the two teams that are playing are called the Windbreakers and the Crop Dusters. Um, and then like the Windbreakers <laughs> slogan is like toot toot, which I thought was, again, <laughs> just some good like Pixar humor but like potty humor but like elevated a little bit yeah Yeah. um i just thought that was fun (laughs) that got a nice chuckle out of me when it was like okay yeah the windbreakers and the uh, crop dusters are you know facing off so yeah that was funny (laughs) uh okay on to dislikes now for this movie first main one is this movie is very predictable um it follows a very easy sequence of events you can kind of predict where it's going in the first probably 20 minutes of the movie and it ends up in that spot so um i just think from like a storytelling standpoint it's not super original and i think that's probably where the the big dislikes are are with the stories it seems like we've gotten this story from pixar before and other types of movies um obviously you have inside out which is about emotions not elements but sort of the same type of deal going on there and then like this is at its core basically a love story and pixar has obviously done that before and that's been done just like so many times but this didn't really have like a super original take on it yeah my ultimate gripe i probably shouldn't have made this the top thing but my ultimate dislike with this movie was how predictable it was and it just didn't seem very creative it was creative like i said the world building was creative and stuff but um as far as like an original idea or something really thought provoking, um, which I think Pixar can do very well. I just thought this one, I was kind of like, I feel like someone said we have to get a movie out this year. And so they said, well, let's do elemental, not at all discounting all the work that goes into the animation, the editing, everything like that. But I'm just saying, I feel like this wasn't their best work by a long shot. Yeah. I don't think this is as good as turning red or soul. Soul. If you look at like the recent ones. Yeah. um, And soul was really thought provoking and soul Mm -hmm. is about death. I mean, uh, and our mortality and that is thought provoking for any age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Another dislike that I had is I thought the marketing for this movie was very misleading. Um, Mm. The trailers and stuff didn't really hint at the love story at all it made it seem like it was going to be more of a movie about the elements and them living in this world and them kind of working together and there is some of that in the movie but it's more of a romance and like family dynamics and the trailers really didn't uh focus on that at all so i will say if you were going in expecting like a almost more of a sciencey type movie it's not that at all it's you know it's basically just a, a romantic comedy so Couldn't agree more, Jared. I think you hit the nail on the head. And I didn't even, I definitely agree with you, but I didn't think about it until you just said it that way. But I had no idea and was surprised when this turned out to be a love story because they had marketed it so differently. Um, So that is irritating to me. 
Um, one that I think the only other gripe I really had, I felt, uh, I was confused by what Ember specifically, because she's fire, that element of fire, what she could and couldn't touch. I felt like it wasn't consistent. And then there was, at least for me, I never caught, um, like obviously there's kisses and handholding and stuff in this and hugging with fire and water. And I, I might've missed it, but I was awake during the whole thing. So, but I never figured out how they were able to do those things. I don't know if they were just like love magically overcame this. Um, but I, I thought there was specifically one scene where I know she was holding a paper of some sort. I think it was, I think it was, um, that pamphlet that's like something like you're going to lose your job or your family's business is going to close or something. And it didn't catch on fire and she was holding it. And I thought, now why is that catching on fire? And I'm sure a six-year-old's probably not going to care or notice that. But to me, I thought, well, that's pretty obvious that that should be catching on fire or that she'd have to like set it on the ground and read it while it's on the ground. Um, and I just felt like overall it wasn't consistent with what she could or couldn't touch and why things were affected or not affected by her being fire. Yeah, I thought that was odd too. I'm surprised that didn't come up when they like did test screenings or like when they were watching yeah. it as a company, like somebody didn't say, Hey, like there's another part, like she rides a motorcycle throughout a lot of the movie. That's obviously like metal, but then there's another part where she like basically burns her way through a metal gate. So again, I didn't, I didn't understand that. And then there's like this whole story line about elements, not mixing, but yet there's a lot of things in this world where like, like objects where the elements would have like mixed right. together. So that right. didn't really make sense either. Um, yeah. So there, cause there's like stone and there's like brick and all, you know, to make bricks, you have to have fire. So I don't, I don't really, I didn't really understand that either. So yeah, there were things that were really clever with the elements, but there was a lot that they, I think a lot of obvious things they missed where, like you said, they, they wouldn't mix or the elements would have affected things and there was just no effect. Um, yeah. Also, she's like so I, walking on the ground, but the ground's not burning. Like when she walks uh -huh. on grass and stuff, that's mm -hmm. another like thing. And that's yeah. just a couple of things like that we just thought of really quickly. I mean, there's probably way more in the whole movie, but it seems right. like they just kind of ignored some of that. And just were like, no, oh, it just is what it is. And then, Agreed. like you said, they they touch and they uh, wait and Ember touch to hold hands and kiss at the end of the movie. And like the both of them are fine. So that was that was weird, too. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. Well, I think that's all our thoughts on Elemental. So we'll go ahead and give our scores now. Um, I think it's my turn to go first. So. Let's go with that because I couldn't okay. remember. So okay. go right ahead. <laughs> Um, I am going to give this one a 75 out of 100. Okay. Um, kind of right there with the critics on Rotten Tomatoes. I did have it. I was thinking like somewhere in the eighties before we started talking about it, but as we talked about it, I bumped it down a little bit because some of those mm -hmm. issues stood out a little more in the dislike. So 75 out of 100, it's a solid movie. I don't know if you need to go see it in the theaters. It's probably fine to wait till Disney plus drops Probably this one and watch it yeah. at home um and i think that pixar has even said they think that maybe has hurt the box office a little bit because people are their last couple movies have just come straight to disney plus like turning red and soul and mm -hmm. um some other things as well so um but yeah 75 out of 100 for me solid but not one of the best pixar movies i'm gonna go with 68 I okay. didn't think it was terrible but the things that bothered me bothered me way more than the things i liked and again, I feel like when you're so good at something like Pixar is with animation and storylines and stuff like that, 
if it falls flat, I think that that makes a worse impression on me because the expectations are already so high. And I thought this was just a mid-tier Pixar movie. It was cute. I would not have paid to go see it in theaters if we weren't doing it for the podcast. Um, I don't know that I'd watch it again. And there were things that were adorable about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can get that from a lot of Pixar movies that are done better. I would agree. So you can follow the show on social media at Podcast Silver on Twitter and Instagram. Search the Silver Screen Podcast on Facebook and find us there. And find our Letterbox profiles in the show description. You can click there and follow us on Letterbox. Also, be sure to rate and review the show as well. I saw we got a couple of star ratings on Spotify since the last time I had checked. So what? two people rated us five stars on Spotify. So thank you very much for doing thank that. Thank you so, so much. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I didn't and even realize. You can rate there. You can rate on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. So thank you very much for doing that. And then next week, we are going to be talking about Asteroid City. Half of Hollywood is in this movie. It's the new one from Wes Anderson. Um, everybody, I think, basically has a cameo role except for Jason Schwartzman and Scarlett Johansson, I believe. I think they're the two main characters. Um, but Tom Hanks is in this, Steve Carell, Brian Cranston, Maya Hawk, Margot Robbie, uh, yep. Bill Murray. So, yeah. Tons and tons of people in Asteroid City, the new Wes Anderson movie. So, we'll be talking about that next week on the show. Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy. 